Blog Talk Radio. Carol the Coach. Sex, love, and relationships. We talk about it here. Carol the Coach. Compassion with contemporary relevance. I am a psychotherapist. I can be your personal life coach and I can help you with your issues. There are no problems too small or too big. You can talk about anything. Speaker, columnist, radio TV host, and commentator. Carol the Coach brings messages of wellness and empowerment within reach of everyday people every day. Almost five years ago, I lost my soulmate in an accident. He was killed in a plane crash. Life just for me has seemed to stop. There are groups all over the city. I mean, I teach one. It is a specific way to start thinking so that you shift how you see the world, which then shifts your energy, and then you feel better and you actually see things differently. Carol the Coach. Always available to at carolthecoach.com. Now I've got Russell on the line. I'm 47 years old. I'm a truck driver. I'm married. I have a wife in San Francisco. Okay. I haven't been home in six months. My thing is, I, I don't know if I have a sex addiction or what the problem is. Why do I want what I can't have? And as mm-hmm. soon as I can have it, I don't want it anymore. You're right on target when you say, I don't know if I have a sexual addiction. Well, guess what? Yes, you do. And you know what? That's my specialty, Russell. So you're at the right place. Continue. I meet women online, and, and I'm in a different part of the country. I, I travel all 48 states, so I love sex. I hear self-esteem issues. You never felt good enough, and you didn't feel like you were getting what you should have then, and you're re- Enacting that now. Do you want to change that about yourself? I got an interesting email. So a person that said, Hey Carol, I so appreciate the work that you do. And I love the fact that you make addicts feel like there's some hope and there's some redemption inside of them. And that's exactly what I want to do. There is no doubt about it. I want to help people heal. And wow, one of the things I know is that when you help somebody heal, you have to get them ready to do the next right thing. You have to give them the tools to take them to that place that they need to go to be available, to be accessible. To be, in, to be the person that they've always wanted to be. You see, most addicts have lived this life for so long that they really do stay in denial. They don't even know they're lying to themselves. And yet, when an addict comes to me, there's been something that has occurred that has put them in enough pain where they say, okay, enough is enough. I need to get real. I need to make a difference in my own life and in the lives of others. Hi, I'm Carol Jurgensen Sheets, a.k.a. Carol the Coach, and that is my mission. I want to help people heal. I want to help addicts heal from this horrible affliction. And when we say heal, we mean we want to teach them the tools that will help them manage problematic compulsive sexual behavior. And I want to help partners. I want to help them to heal from the trauma that this illness has caused. And I want families to be better. I want families to get through this 
to grow stronger, to recognize that their parents have issues and they've overcome them, which of course teaches them that they can overcome their own issue. And let's face it, guys, tonight we're talking about children, we're talking about families, we're talking about adult children, we're talking about what are the rules, what are the guidelines to help families through this ordeal? Now, I got to tell you, I have worked with many a partner who has told her children everything, whether they're eight years old or 28. They have been so traumatized that they want their kids to know what they're going through. And I say for every partner that's out there listening to me tonight, please don't do that. Please give them the coping skills they need to get through this, but do not tell them the details. They're not your best friends. They're your kids, and they need to be protected from all the details that you've learned. They just need to know the general issues. Mom and dad are not getting along. Dad has done some things that have betrayed mom. He might want to talk to you about it. He might not. And if you're an addict wondering, what do I tell the kids? Then I've got to say, that depends on the age that they are and their maturity level. Truly, your addiction is not something that you necessarily want to share with your child in detail. There's just no reason to do that. And so, tonight we're going to be talking about what is it that you can talk to your kids about? How can you share your own issues and at the same time protect them and yet keep them informed? And we have an expert that's coming on the show. She is an amazing woman. Kristen Carey is somebody who works with partners. She works with daughters. And she actually has started a group called Daughters of the Battle. And Daughters in the Battle is a phenomenal support group for daughters that are reeling from the crisis, from the tragedy and the discovery in the family. And so Kristen is going to really talk about how do you, how do you navigate through this. Um, she's helped families for over a decade. She's a coach and she's, you know, really gotten her certification in sexual addiction. And I've gotten to work with her uh, in a disclosure. And, you know, I've had her on the show maybe three years ago. And when I heard she was doing this Daughters in the Battle, I said, oh, you've got to come on the show. You've got to talk about what you're doing. How are you supporting them? And she's actually got a retreat going on. So hopefully for something like this. And if this doesn't exist, you'll look for somebody who might be able to start it. It originated from every man's battle and women of the battle. But that's what we've got going on for tonight's show. Now, if you listened last week, I understand we had some 
technical difficulties. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to get that cleaned up and I'm going to put Noah Church back on for last week's show because he is an amazing man that knows that young men who look at porn compulsively are unable to have relationships with women of the opposite sex. You know, what we know is that this is a brain disorder, and what they've done is they've put all of this information, all of these images, all of this arousal into their brain for women. They either have erectile dysfunction, inorgasmia, or a disconnect from wanting a relationship because they feel unauthentic. So I want to get his information back to you. So hang tight. I'm in the process of getting that done, and I apologize. Who knows why at times technology doesn't work? I do this every Monday night. I've been doing it for five years. I've got another podcast called Betrayal Recovery Radio on Thursday afternoons. And about two or three times a year, because I do the show every single week, Something just doesn't go right. And I just, I apologize for that. And at the same time, I'm gentle with myself. It's not my fault that technology doesn't work. And yet what I know to be true is all this information is too good to miss. So I am going to get him back on and get him in last week's slot. Now, now one of the things that I believe is that When sex addiction occurs, when problematic compulsive sexual behavior occurs, that's that's the long terminology for sex addiction at this point. That is what the World Health Organization has decided to call this affliction. And um, what I know is when this happens, it absolutely fractures families. And if you're a single man and you don't have a family and you don't have a wife and you don't have a girlfriend... You know my heart goes out to you because it's going to be even harder for you to get healthy. There are less reasons, less motivations to do that. It's much easier to stay in denial and go, I'll stop this tomorrow. So, hey, just know that I get your pain. I get the pain of what it's like to have to manage this illness solely for yourself, you know, An addict usually experiences so much self-loathing. They stay in a downward spiral, and it's difficult to change on their own. If you have a wife or parents or, you know, a family member that's discovered, that can be the deal, breaking behavior. That can be the bottom line. That can be, wow, your bottom that gets you to want to change. Now, truly, I've worked with a lot of people that go through the art of deception until they really make it real that they've got to change. You see, a lot of addicts that I work with, oh, they want so badly to get healthy, and then they give into impulses and urges and cravings, and then they think they can do just a little bit over here and recovery over there. And i got to tell you, that is not going to work. You cannot leave the gateway to your brain 
lit up from the dopamine that occurs when you're having an affair, when you're on Ashley Madison, when you're going to adult friend finders, when you're doing adult websites, when you're contacting old affair partners, ex-girlfriends, Facebook friends, it just isn't going to work. You have to do this part perfectly. And I get addicts that say, I can't do it perfectly. Stop expecting me to do it perfectly. But I say, hey, from a brain science point of view, you've got to dim that light. Patrick Carden says that. He taught me that as long as somebody is participating in behavior that is questionable, that's in their inner or their middle circle, then they're lying. They're lying to themselves, and they may be lying to other people. And when they have that secrecy and that deception inside of them, they can't possibly get clean because recovery is about rigorous honesty. And that is really, really important. And, you know, I've been working with people for the longest time. And oftentimes I have women that commit indiscretions, whether it's retaliatory, whether it's to numb themselves, whether it's to validate themselves. Maybe they do it after the discovery or maybe they do it because they think since it does not seem compulsive, it's okay. So if you're a couple and if you're a partner that's participating in some sort of Facebook um, interchange with an ex, with an old friend, with somebody new, and you're developing that emotional intimacy, I got to call you on it. That is not okay because you're not practicing rigorous honesty. You have heard me say it before. Always ask men who are working on their addiction. I say, hey, Imagine that you're wearing a band that not only says, what would Jesus do, but it says, what would my wife want me to do? What would my partner want me to do? And that is the barometer by which you decide what's right and wrong. Now, I know if you're listening to this podcast, you may be going, somebody's sobriety should not be dependent on what somebody else would do. And yet, oftentimes in sex addiction, that's a great gauge to start out with. If you know that that's something that your family, your partner, your mother, your father wouldn't want you to do, it's an indicator that you need to really examine that behavior because more than likely, it's going to lead you in the wrong direction And you know what my premise is. I always ask you to ask yourself, is this moving me closer to recovery or further away? I'm Carol Jurgensen. She's a.k.a. Carol the Coach, and I am so happy to be talking to you tonight about a topic that I have, I have to tell you, I haven't broached. We've talked about kids an awful lot, but we've never talked about daughters. Daughters in the battle. So tonight I have Kristen Carey on, and she's going to share with us her philosophy, what she believes to be true, and 
what services are available to women out there, young women, you know, 17, 18, 19, 20, 28. What can we do for the kids and families where sexual addiction has interfered and ruptured the relationship? So, Kristen, welcome to Sex Help with Carol the Coach. Thank you, Carol. It's so good to be here with you. Well, thank you so much. You know, last week we had some technical difficulties, and I, had, I listened back to the show, and it sounded garbled. How am I sounding right now? It sounds totally clear to me. Fantastic. Well, trust me, if it sounds clear to you, it'll sound clear to the audience. And I'm so happy to have you on because you really have made it your mission to help partners and families to navigate through this crisis. And so I want to ask you a little bit about who you are and what made you decide to make this one of your missions, one of your passions, and one of your services to your higher power? Well, Carol, um, it starts with my own personal story. And so when I was 30 years old was when I found myself in a total crisis where my marriage had been imploded by sexual addiction. And it was at that time that my mom told me that my father had a sexual addiction, which I had no idea. So those two crises hit me at the same time. Um, fast forward many years later, and my li- I have gone through years and years of recovery and therapy and rebuilding my life. That marriage did end in divorce um, as a, it was a casualty of sexual addiction. And mm-hmm. I found myself um, just asking God, what am I going to do with this, with this part of my story that created so much shame for me? Um, fast forward in about five years ago, my husband and I started our ministry, which is called Living Truth. And our whole mission is dedicated to helping men, women, families, youth, discover the power of living in in sexual integrity, the power of breaking out of sexual addiction. And that causes total life change on every level when we address those inconsistencies and secrets in our sexual lives. So um, we started groups for addicts and partners three years ago. And my partner group grew very quickly And there were a bunch of moms in my group who said, you know, my daughter wishes she had something like this. Well, there was a young woman, a a college-age woman, who had come to me months before and said, you know, I am really traumatized by all the information I know about my parents, the sexual betrayal in my parents' marriage. Her father was a sex addict. And she had been very involved with hearing a lot of the information of what had transpired and was very traumatized by it. And she came to me and was like, I need help. I need support. And so I was like, well, I I like, I'm a rule breaker. I like to break the rules. So I said, well, you know what? There's no reason why this has to be just for women. Why don't you come to my uh, group? And even though she was a daughter, but I could trauma, I could see, and she was a young adult. So I thought, okay, as long as she's working with with a good therapist, she can, figure out what she needs and set limits and boundaries for herself within the group. But she benefited from it so much. So she was sitting there when these other moms said, my daughter wishes she had a group like this. 
And this young woman and I looked at each other and I was like, well, what if they did? <laughs> so it was pretty much birthed out of necessity. And, and, and the, these moms whose daughters really needed support, um, those two moms, I'm thinking of them right now, their daughters still come to my daughters in the battle group. So daughters in the battle is a group for teen daughters, I'd say about 15 and up. Um, and most of the girls in there are between 16 and 26. Um, but the whole purpose of it is to give them a place where they can process the pain and the trauma and the impact of one of their parents' sexual addictions on their family and then on their individual lives. Well, before you came on, I was talking about the fact that oftentimes partners are so traumatized that they either speak too loudly or they're sharing information with family or friends, their kids here, or maybe they just in a hinge just of rage share with their kids everything that has happened to them. So obviously they end up knowing a lot of information and they don't have the brains to necessarily know what to do with it. And it sounds like your support group, Daughters daughters in the Battle, helps them to talk about it, to figure it out, and to decide what to do with it. Um, Exactly. How big are these groups? Oh, right now we have about eight women in in my in the group, which is an ideal size. It gets if it gets much larger than that, it becomes difficult to have a really good small group discussion. Um, And you know the other thing that happens, Carol, is I have had so many young women and and sons. I've heard this happening with too that they end up discovering the one of the parent sexual addictions because either an affair partner calls and tries to blackmail the child or the teenager, or they stumble across their let's say their father's pornography that he's been viewing online, and they're they're forced to make a decision. Do I keep this secret or do I tell my mother this and implode her existence, implode her world? Um, So these kids are, even when they're coming across the realization of a parent's sexual addiction in secret, they're left with this tremendous pressure of a decision that they have to make that is going to change the course of their family. Well, you are so right, and I know that anybody who works in this field, and our listeners are obviously addicts and then in recovery and partners in recovery, but we we also have clinicians and coaches, and so many of us have worked with families where, you know, kids are so technologically savvy. They find this stuff, and they don't know what to do with it. And I would say I have more daughters who get information from their brothers. Their brothers don't know what to do with it, so they give this information to the sister. And then the sister has to decide, okay, what do I do to help my brother, to help my father, to help my mother? And more often times than not, they do end up telling the mom. Yeah. And certainly for for a mother, that is such a double betrayal. It's bad enough to find out the stuff yourself, but when you know that your kids have been exposed to it, they've seen the pornography or they've talked to the affair partner 
Or like you said, there have been many a case where an extortionist um, yeah. has con- contacted the children because Facebook is so prevalent and it's such an easy way yeah. to do that, that um, yeah. all of a sudden they are entangled in all of the drama that sexual addiction brings about. Now, what do you advise women? Because, you know, we've got an Indianapolis chapter here. You and I are lucky enough that we have worked together and you've provided these yeah. resources for, like you said, three years. Um, if our listening audience is from another area, what would be the first step for a sex addict or a partner to help their kids heal? I would recommend... Uh, trying to find a trauma-informed therapist. Uh, if if they could be APSATS trained, which I'm assuming your audience probably knows what APSATS is since you're APSATS trained, Carol. Absolutely. Okay. So if, if that would be ideal, but as you know, you know there, not every city is going to have an APSATS trained therapist. And although APT trained to work with a partner, even and, and even though the trauma is different, for kids, it's going to be probably the best fit to find somebody who's trained in the traumatic impact of sexual addiction on the family because the kids, they need their own space apart from the betrayed parent to process how this has felt to them because often they get a lot of pressure from the parent who was betrayed, like pressure to forgive, pressure to move past it and to start hugging the parent who's the sex addict again and they're not ready so they really need a place to talk apart from the betrayed parent and so if a therapist perhaps is um, seeing mom let's say mom's the betrayed partner if that therapist could also work with the kids uh, separately I think that would be amazing I know there are some therapists who won't work with with teens or, or even you know younger kids who need that support so I think I think it's one of our missions, Carol, you and I, and people who work in this field to try to help therapists who never get to learn about sexual addiction in depth in their university level classes um, to learn more about the traumatic impact on the family. So I would say, Hey, if you can't find an APTAS trained therapist in your area, find somebody who is trained in EMDR or other kinds of trauma work and ask them if they'd be willing to read Your Sexually Addicted Spouse by Barb Steffens and Marsha Means, which will help a clinician understand the traumatic impact on the partner and on the family. So, and then if there, if there were people listening who, if you have a daughter who's had some time under her belt in working on her trauma and how the sex addiction has impacted her, we'd be more than happy and excited to help you start a Daughters in the Battle chapter in your area. We actually have online videos that are in a private website accessible only to members of our group so that the confidentiality can be kept at the highest level. But so we have curriculum ready for groups to be able to be started as long as there's somebody on the ground who's been through this but has enough distance and post-traumatic growth that they'd be willing to help other people. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And so would you just give my listening audience a brief summary of Every Man's Battle, um, Women of the Battle, and now Daughters in the Battle? 
Absolutely. So Every Man's Battle, my husband uh, started that at uh, Northview Church in Carmel is the original group in Carmel, Indiana. Um, and that's for men who are struggling with sexual addiction or maybe have had an affair and are trying to rebuild their sexual integrity. Um, and that also has satellite campuses in right now we have 11 locations for every man's battle and we are definitely still looking for people who want to help other addicts in their area to start another location of um, every man's battle and then women in the battle is a trauma-informed group for the partner for for the wife uh, or the partner who has been impacted by the sexual betrayal Um, so that is also in about uh, 11 locations around uh, the country and we are more than happy to help people uh, start other groups there is like video curriculum that's available for each of these groups so that you have access to these really great talks and content that's super relevant to the subject of sexual addiction and betrayal trauma that's available for people who would want to start a group Okay, so how can they get a hold of you or how can they take a look at the website, obviously not being able to get into the private membership part of the website? Right, right. Okay, so our website is living-truth.org, living-truth.org, and my email is Kristen C., so K-R-I-S-T-I-N, at living-truth.org. We're also on Facebook, Living Truth, and there's a bunch of Living Truths on Facebook. So if you put the number 61 after Living Truth, that will that should lead you to us. Those are all places where you can get more information and get in touch with us. You know, I started my work in 2007, And at the time, one of the things that I knew was that this issue of compulsive sexual problematic behavior, a.k.a. sexual addiction, was epidemic. And I said to myself, in 25 years, we're going to have hospitals specifically for this disorder because it is so difficult to manage without the right Mm -hmm. support. And people feel so much shame they don't feel like they can come out and talk about the fact that they've participated in all sorts of problematic behaviors. Do you see it as an epidemic? Oh, my goodness, yes. Yeah, I mean, you know, just in the one group that my husband started, the original location, he has like 70 men there every week, and that's just in one spot. Um, I mean, it's it's huge. We have a flood of women coming to us for support for their uh, betrayal trauma. Yeah. I think it is the like tsunami that is going to overtake, especially, I I mean, we work in churches primarily and that's a place where there's high levels of shame about this and people want to keep this under wraps and have their family look intact when really this is eating so many families alive. Well, I really admire the fact that you are not afraid to get daughters in the battle of, you know, involved. So you obviously met a young woman who you knew would be a good leader, and she has helped you to establish this. And 
you are now expanding. It's not just a meeting once a week or once every other week. How often do you meet? Oh, we meet once a month. We meet the first Tuesday of every month. Okay. And you're actually doing a retreat this summer. Yes, and this will be our second. This retreat. Okay. Yeah, Carol, we did it last summer, and it was only we only did one night in like a day and a half, and it just it was amazing. Um, it was we keep it small on purpose because we want there to be a really intimate and connected experience. It's a very experientially uh, or experiential uh, and activity based retreat. There will be. Uh, water sports available like canoeing, kayaking, paddle boarding, and things like that. Um, we also, uh, I don't want to spoil it because there's like really cool stuff that we do. Um, there was a lot of laughter and a lot of crying um, involved as we just kind of opened up this topic of what we really believe about ourselves as a result of sexual addiction imploding our families what we believe about God, what we believe about other people, um, and some really powerful moments to let go of some things that we needed to let go of, just another layer of the pain and the shame, um, because pain and their shame. And um, so it was really an awesome experience. I have this philosophy like, hey, don't censor yourself. And so like, if a girl wants to lose it and just start crying, that is great. I mean, there's space for that. If she wants to lose her mind with foul language in this sacred setting, like there's no censorship of, of they can be as honest as they need to be. Um, and that freedom for these girls who have been hushed and told, you know, not that their parents are, are um trying to censor them to the whole world. But this issue, as you said, is so shameful. It's not like, it's, it's not safe to go around talking about this just with any friend. So it is going to be two nights um, this summer instead of just one, because there is so much more uh, that I wanted to be able to do with these girls. It's going to be the weekend of July 12th here in Indianapolis. And again, my, uh, my, website, living-truth.org, or my email, which I already shared with you guys, is a great way to get in touch and get more information about the retreat. Well, you know, you you were referencing the fact that it's a safe place to really emote and express oneself. And I was going to ask you, obviously, specific needs that children have and, and adult children that have been impacted Mm -hmm. by sexual betrayal. And so you believe that daughters in the battle, females that have discovered their father's or mother's sexual addiction, they need to be able to talk about it and they need to be able to express their feelings. And are there other needs that you think that children have because of sexual betrayal? Definitely. Okay. So it depends on the age of the kids. Um, This is actually something I think every parent should put on their list of of important things to teach their children. Um, But especially for kids who have found one of their parents' um, pornography, whether that's online pornography or pictures, let's say pictures mom had of uh, sexting pictures she had on her 
camera roll that she forgot to delete or whatever. When kids see photographs like that and they're young, they're prepubescent, it can be really traumatic for them. And um, even if it's pictures not of their parents. And so I love Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, which is a book written for kids age 7 to 11. It's written so that a parent could sit and, and read it with their child in that age group. There's also one called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures Junior for kids age 3 to 6. I, when I tell parents, you should be talking to your 3 to 6-year-old about pornography, they gasp. And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, we can't afford not to. Even if neither you nor your spouse has used pornography, if you have internet access or if your child will ride the school bus or go to a friend's house, anywhere where there's uncensored internet access, there's a high chance of, of accidental exposure. Um, but so I, I think that that's one thing that parents where there is sexual addiction in your family need to think about is talking to your children about pornography. And these books that I mentioned are age appropriate, developmentally appropriate for younger children. I realize that sometimes when a family has younger kids, the, the children don't know anything about the sex addiction. Um, but I think even if they don't know about the sex addiction, once there's some stability to, to take this on and realize like, I've got to educate my kids about this issue because first of all, um, it, it, it has exploded in my own family, but also because I want to prepare my kids for a future where it's inevitable that exposure to pornography is going to happen and help them navigate that. These books help kids know what to do so that they won't become addicted uh, when they get exposed. Yeah. Um, so those are some of the needs for younger kids. Younger kids, I think, need to know that mom and dad love them, even if they're not getting along with each other. It's better for younger kids, uh -huh. I think, to not know exactly why. Um, they're just not developmentally ready for that. I think it's always good to have a therapist guide you in, in your children's maturity level and what they've already found out. I mean, it's not, we don't want to lie to our kids, but the biggest questions they need to know are like, am I, am I still loved? If one parent is super angry with the other, which is inevitable when sex addiction implodes a family, the need to get pro professional support for that parent who's been betrayed so that they can process and work through their anger and not project that onto the kids or, or even project it onto the other spouse in front of the kids um, is going to help kids achieve safety and stability. And older kids start asking questions like, oh, my gosh, let's say dad is a sex addict. Oh, my gosh, if, if he's a sex addict and I'm kind of dabbling in porn or struggling with it a little bit, Am I going to be just like my dad? Am I going to become a monster like my dad? Am I going to do this to my future spouse? Or is my future spouse going to do this to me? Because if, if dad was that primary uh, man that a little girl bonds to, he is going to, you know, studies have shown that we tend to be attracted to somebody who is a combination of both of our parents. And so the fear that I'm going to end up marrying somebody who's going to do this to me as well is a very real fear. So educating these kids, you know, when they get older and they're teenagers, I love the resource Fight the New Drug. Awesome website, and they have a free online recovery program. It's free to college students and high school students. If you're an adult, you have to pay for it. 
But that is a great resource for teens. There's lots of videos, and it's a great, it's hip and cool, made by young people for young people. It's a great way to help them understand about pornography addiction. I think it's really important to understand Absolutely. that for a child, for a child to understand that they are not their struggle. Like, let's say this 16-year-old boy is struggling with looking at porn. For him to know that he can go to his parents and talk about that and that he will not be shamed or, um, or punished for having a struggle, but that they will get him help. Oh, incidentally, I didn't mention this, but we do also have a group called Every Young Man's Battle, and that is for um, high school age boys, and that is here in Indianapolis. Um, high school boys who are struggling with pornography or other unwanted sexual behavior. So, um, yeah, I think it's also important for kids to know that they can set boundaries uh, and and be accepted with the boundaries that they need. Let's say, for example, for a time period, they feel like they need a break talking to the sexually addicted parent because they're so hurt. Giving kids the space they need to say, I need a break, or to say, you know, I'd rather not hug you. I know so many daughters who feel really uncomfortable hugging their, their dads, even before they find out about the sexual addiction. It's like they can sense what is going on on an emotional and spiritual level. And so giving these kids the ability to use their voice to, to ask for what they need to set boundaries, if they have the courage to do that at all, that's incredible. First of all, that's something a lot of us as adults don't even know how to do, set good boundaries and use our voice. Um, but I think that's important to give our kids space to do that. Oh, I do too. Now, again, repeat that resource. You said that it's an amazing website for kids. Oh, it's free fight to the them new, for adults. Yeah, fight the new drug. It's great for adults too, um, but it's very it's it's totally it, it is totally geared towards uh, millennials and younger. Um, but I think it's great too. Fight the new drug. I think it's dot org, and they have a Facebook page, and yeah, it's awesome. Okay, and so now obviously what you're talking about when you're discussing what kids' needs may be include boundaries, like I don't feel Mm -hmm. comfortable hugging you or I need a little bit of space or please don't come into my room and ask me how I'm doing Mm -hmm. every night. Really, really tough for kids to assert themselves and or for parents to know well, when should I push versus when should I give him or her a little bit of space? Do you ever yeah. see children or adult children, um, tweens, teens, college age or older, that absolutely want nothing to do with the sex addict? Absolutely. And I've seen the flip where the sex addict um, somehow turns the kids against the betrayed parent. I've seen that happen many times. Yeah, it's and so I mean, what, this, what this, do you advise it's, when that happens? Either way. Oh gosh, it's so individual. You know, it depends on why. I mean, let's say the the child, the adult child, does not want to talk to the sexually addicted spouse. <clears throat> I mean, they're probably trying to get some 
sense of safety and stabilization. They're probably trying to make sense of it all. Depends. Is the is the addict abusive? Do they do they like randomly erupt in anger? Is it is it really unsafe for that adult child to be around their parent? Um, then you know maybe that is a good boundary to to stop relationship for a period of time until that sexually addicted parent can get some help and emotional sobriety where they're more even keel and are able to treat their child with respect and love or apologize if they're in the wrong and do somehow lose it. Um, But Carol, are you referring specifically to um, addicts who are really truly in a good recovery and changing, but the kid still wants nothing to do with them? Absolutely, because I've seen that happen. You know, it's almost like they can't trust that there is recovery that's occurring. And so, you know, that's always such a a tough place for a a sex addict. And most of the sex addicts that I work with, if that's occurred in their life, they have the humility to say, you know what, I caused this and I'm willing to wait as long as it takes to prove myself. Now, that's that's always a good choice. That's recovery right there, Carol. Um, It's tricky for me. It's tricky. I feel like you will have a perspective on this that, that I don't get the privilege of seeing partly because I just work with the wives and the daughters and some of the daughters in my group, I don't even know the moms, the wives, the, the, the wives are not in my group. So I just know what the daughter's story is. And I may, or I may just know what the wife's story is. So um, I, I try to not give advice unless there's like a dangerous situation, you know, and I need to say, you know, let's, you need to call the police or let's get in touch with prevail, you know, for domestic abuse or whatever. But the, I, I usually am not, able to know the fact that dad really is recovering because all I'm getting is that daughter's perspective. But if I did, if I were to know that and I had both sides of the story, because anytime, you know, you hear somebody share, you know, that's their perspective and their story, but it may not, it's usually not the whole thing. Um, I would, I would encourage them to, um, try to see things from another perspective, maybe to try to see things from the perspective of the recovering addict. Um, but I think that's a really tough situation. Yeah. I would I encourage them to go to therapy with these. their parent. Well, that's exactly you know? what I recommend too. And, and, you know, sometimes let's face it, um, kids root for the underdog. And in this case, it's mom. Mom's the one that's been through the betrayal trauma, and mom's the one that's traumatized, and it's mom that they see shaking and crying, and you know her whole world is upside down. Now, I'm not I'm not diminishing if the addict is a female and and the partner is a male, but for right now, right, it's just, it's just not, easier it's sometimes. Yeah, just, mm-hmm. yeah, it is, and and so. I also think is maybe even helping the child and. The, the partner to talk about what's going on and to have the partner give some um, credibility 
perhaps some of the changes that are being made. And yet, at the same time, what I truly do know is that this takes time. We know that it takes three to five years for a sex addict to really learn good recovery. And although there is not research yet that absolutely substantiates that, I find that it's a minimum of three to five years for a partner's brain to calm down, for her to begin Mm -hmm. to really trust the changes she may be seeing. You and I know, Kristen, that an addict may be in good recovery and have slips, and that can throw a partner right back into that trauma of, see, I knew I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it's not all black and white. There's so much gray in this. And I just wondered yeah. how you handled that because truly you are an advocate for the partner. You're an advocate for families and for I thought it was just daughters in the battle, but to hear that there are also young men in the battle, that's exciting too. And what I know to be true is that it complicates things if kids have have participated in behaviors that they have shame and guilt about. You talked about it earlier. I know that by the time a young boy is 11, he will have seen at least 20 hours of pornography because that's what kids do. They share websites that are intriguing, that are curious. And you had some interesting statistics. You said uh, from clinical psychologist Anna Nogales that 75% 75% of kids who have a parent who cheated felt betrayed by their cheating parent. They, too, yeah. felt that betrayal. And 80% mm-hmm. said it affected their attitude towards love and relationships, which is just the real casualty of all this. Yeah. And that 70% said it impacted their ability to trust others. And you and I both know that trust is such an elemental um, requirement for kids growing up. They need to be able to trust the people that they've been taught to trust most. So when there's betrayal that's involved, it shatters their whole world. Yes. It totally does. So and, now, you know, I think, oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Continue. Well, I was just going to say, uh, people who have not been through sexual betrayal or have not had a sexual addiction um, or even addicts new in their recovery think that the, the, the disruption and the pain and humiliation and all of the aftermath is caused by the sexual behavior. But I find most partners say that it's the deception, the ongoing lying, or as Dr. Sherry Keffer calls it in her book, the intimate deception within this family system where you think your life is one way, you think your partner is one way, or you think your dad is one way. Um, the, the lying is as da- just as damaging, if not more, than the sexual side. And so it's interesting because usually the addict is lying and covering, or they always are lying and covering up, but usually they're doing that to what they think protect their spouse from being further damaged and hurt by what they've done. And to, you know, just because the denial is part of the addiction. But in reality, it's the, the, the ongoing deception and lying that I think destroys the trust that those kids could have in, um, in their parents to provide a safe family, a, a safe harbor for them to return to. 
Yeah, and I highly recommend that book. Sherry is a CSAT, Dr. Sherry Keffer, and she's also yep. an APSAT. And we trained APSATs together last November. And I find that her book is a continuation of the ongoing information that people need to understand both the affliction and the partner betrayal. So if any of our partners are out there and they want a good book that really helps to talk about brain science and the relational trauma, Dr. Sherry does a great job with that. Yes. Okay, so now I've got a couple other questions for you before we end, and we're getting close. Um, Okay. What can teens and adult children ask for from the sexually addicted parent in order to promote their own healing? You said they might need a little bit of separation and they may need some time to just kind of some distance to figure out what their feelings are. And I don't know about you, Kristen, but I really know that when I'm talking to addicts, they themselves don't know their own feelings. And when I talk with kids, they may only know two or three feelings. And so in helping to develop feeling identification, it helps them to get to know themselves better. Is there anything else that you would suggest that kids need when this devastation occurs? Uh, I would say that if the addicted parent is willing to pay for therapy, that would be something that they could ask for because that can, that can get expensive and it's, that could be an amends for the addict um, to pay for therapy for their children. Um, another, another thing, this isn't what they would ask for from a, a, the sexually addicted parent, but just in general, a widely available resource that is not specific to sexual addiction but I think could be really helpful to some adult children who are going through this with their parents is to check out ACA, Adult Children of Alcoholics, even though that's technically in name about adult, for adult children of alcoholics, it's, they've really deepened that program to be applicable to adult children of dysfunctional family systems. And when there are sexual secrets in a family, there are definitely going to be some majorly dysfunctional elements, even if the partner is unaware of the undercurrents. So that's another, um, you know, let's say it's a young adult um, that has a child of their own and they want to go to ACA or a daughters in the battle meeting or whatever. They could be asking their parents for help with childcare I mean, anything that the, that the parents can do to support their young adult child and their own recovery process. I know parents who sometimes say, well, like, this doesn't really impact them. Like, this is our marriage, and it's our problem here. And what's tricky is the difference between what, what the adult children have the right to know which, depending on how everything has come out and whether it's going to be public or not and all of that, they may not have the right to know any kind of details of what has happened. But if there's a rupture in the marriage, then it's going to impact those kids. So um, it's, it's really tricky because the more a kid knows, the more traumatizing it can be on the one hand, but the more they're kept in the complete and total dark, depending on the circumstances, the more painful and difficult it can be because 
they are left to make up stories about what it is that's going on in their parents' relationship. Uh, I think that becomes really, really difficult. No, I absolutely agree with you, too. And, you know, again, I've got to commend you for being at the grassroots of support systems for this kind of trauma because what we know to be true is that if you're a sex addict or if you're a partner, keeping it to yourself, not sharing it with anybody is not ever going to get you into recovery, and recovery is what you deserve. And so I want to remind everybody that Kristen can be uh, contacted by following Living Truth on Facebook. And did I hear you say um, your email, obviously, is Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-I-N-C, at living-truth.org. And then you said 61. If they put the number 61, is that on, on Facebook or how? Yeah, there's a lot of living truths on Facebook. And so if you look, if you look up living truth 51, um, and you know, like if you are just looking up um, on Facebook, you're looking for something and you can see the little logo or the icon in the corner, our little logo is a blue cross. And so that is the living truth that you want. If you want to follow us and um, we do a lot of posts, with resources and lists of our meetings and all kinds of stuff. So that's a great place to get information. Well, and although this is an international podcast, if you're lucky enough to live in the Indianapolis area or surrounding areas, um, they, and they, and you have a daughter that might benefit from this group, they can contact you about the group and certainly about the retreat. And one more time, Tell us where oh, yeah. the retreat is. The retreat is July 12th through the 14th in Indianapolis, and that is open to any daughter. I would say between 15 and, like, 28 years old is the right age range, a mature 15, because there will be um, older, you know, girls in their 20s and such. Um, but anybody can, can come to that. Any daughter who's been impacted by a parent's sexual addiction is more than welcome um, to inquire and sign up for that retreat. It's going to be epic. I, there you go, and I'm all about epic shifts. So we have to end for tonight, but Kristen, thank you so much for sharing your information. And, you know, I just hope that our paths cross over and over and over again. God bless. Thank you, Carol. It was great to be here with you tonight. All right, we'll talk soon. You take care. Okay. Okay, you too. Bye. Bye. Okay, so again, that was Kristen Carey. If you need her information, you didn't have a pen, you can contact me at carol at carolthecoach.com. So that was another show that I think is really important, and I want you all to remember there's only one of you at all times. So fearlessly have the courage to be yourself and get the help you deserve. I'm Carol Jurgensen Sheets, a.k.a. Carol the Coach, and this is Sex Help with Carol the Coach. Make it a good week.